And this is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. We and have then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. The reason I give this song is because this was the first CD I purchased. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your hosts, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tune Shuffle. This is Maggie's bedroom, so pretend we're in Maggie's. Hey. <laughs> this is where you usually get down, huh? Yeah. As yeah. yes, I get it. Indeed. Marcellus London Samuel. Marcellus London Samuels. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I love seeing you around town. Really? You do so much stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate this, that. I this, work really hard. He works so hard. I think you have booked me on more shows than anyone else in this really? town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you he, book comedy shows too. Oh, well, not just that. He does this amazing game show <laughs> called Only Half Wrong. David, if you get a chance, you should go and support and then be on it. Because oh, yes. I would love to have you on. Honestly. Yes and yes. I, I got to see the show. What well, nights is it on? Um, it's on Friday. It's every other Friday night at the I.O. West in Hollywood oh, off of nice. Sunset. My best friend is an improvist. Uh-huh. So we wanted to do a show that mixed both improvist and stand-ups and even other entertainers in Who's Hollywood. Who's your best friend? His name's Jess Finley. And been best friends for how long? About five years. We started working at Home Depot together. Oh. And then he almost died. And what? then we became like just besties, like literally blood brothers. Due to this close death experience? Yeah. Basically, he worked at Home Depot for about a year. He trained me. He got me up to almost being a manager. Oh. And then he got a job producing movies in Hollywood. Whoa. Wow. Like it was his dream. He was a writer. So he was just like really hardcore on it. He worked his ass off. And then, um, he finally got the job, and the, the crazy part is that I'm into motorcycles, too. Heck yeah! Um, and he was getting into motorcycles. He had a Vespa. He had just got his license Oh, I had a Vespa 150 for a minute, yeah. Yes, he had a 150, too. Yeah, I dumped it. I don't... Yeah, he's, he'll never ride again, he said. Why? Well, because we, we worked in Alhambra at the Home Depot, okay. and yeah, he almost died on it. He was oh, driving. He tried to turn. It was... Because we, we were working graveyards, you know? It was 12 oh. o'clock at night. He was driving home, and he was making a right turn, and a lady didn't even see him and just literally rolled right over him. Oh my God! Yeah, he broke his pelvis bone. He shattered his leg. He he messed up so many things. So many organs were failing on him, and it was really scary. And he's from Cleveland, Ohio, actually. Oh wow! So he didn't have so much family here. So I was one of those guys that I, I he was a really big part of my life. So I made sure to go take him food. I made sure to like help him while he was in the hospital. His parents came down. I made sure that that they were okay. His brother too. Yeah. And I just kept up with it. And he said it meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to me too. We got really close after it. And now but, you're doing the comedy thing with him. Yeah, we're doing the comedy thing. We've been, and you know, truthfully be told, they said that he wouldn't be able to walk again. They said he wouldn't be able to do a lot of things. And the man's like Superman. He's back to like 110. percent You like, never know, having met him, mm-hmm. that he had an accident that serious. He works out. He's like I said, I call him the Superman. The two of you do this half right game show. It's called Only Half Wrong. Only Half Wrong. <laughs> and truthfully, I feel like we did it just so we can be quiz masters. Um, <laughs> but it's basically a, a show where. We ask you questions, and mm-hmm. if you answer them right, you get a point. Mm-hmm. If you answer them wrong, you get negative points. And if you're funny enough to make the crowd laugh, you make us laugh, then we'll give you half a point, even if you're wrong. So, in other <laughs> words, if you try and answer a question 
making yourself seem like you're right and it's funny, then you'll get a half a point. Yeah, and oh, it's working out that. really well. Yeah, and then we we change it around too. We the the format of it, we have three rounds. We have one that's a regular, just trending news kind of round, and we have a storytelling round, which we think is a lot different than most game shows out there. And then we have like a lightning round at the end that's common thread, and it's a lot of fun. Like it honestly, fun. it is so highly produced. It's very well done. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. It's a lot I, of fun. I don't want to let the air out of the tires, but is anybody from television coming and talking to you about this? It seems no, great. It does. It does. And that's the thing, too. We've been doing it for about uh, three months now. And okay, it's still new. once we get it to the main stage, then we really think it's going to take it's off. It's so fresh. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's everything people want. Comedy and game shows. No, I mean. yeah. And trivia. And trivia, yeah, yeah it's, it's like cool. And that's the thing; we've been working on it for actually a year. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just it comes from us just doing trivia games at home with our friends, and we have so many friends that are entertainers. It'll get competitive. Oh, yeah, it gets competitive, like improv versus stand up, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we did there. <laughs> you know, like Maggie, I, I believe Maggie was our stand up, and I forgot who we had on that was an improvis. You represented oh, it, was, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it was fun. Thank I'm going to yeah, see the show. DC Edwards was on that show. DC, yeah. Yes. And, and then the other woman, I can't remember her name. I want to say Laura, but I don't think that's I think right. it was Leah. Leah. Yeah. That's it. Actually, that was the first show that we had all stand-up comedians, really. And we were and all Jewish. And wow. we all liked coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> but, uh, hopefully I'll get it. But I love improv, and that's your improv sketches, game shows. He's also a very good stand-up. I mean, you're just an all-around threat like you're just <laughs> very you. talented nice. so i'm excited to dig in your music if that's okay if we get started oh yeah definitely yeah all here right. we go this is why tune shuffle marcellus samuels has chosen five songs i love it oh you you had emailed it but i didn't Oh, you did it? No. So this is that Kendrick Lamar nostalgia. And um, the song is called Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Let's listen to it for a second. I've never heard this. The ring was numbered nonsense. Jim Star razor and a dinner plate. Arm and hammer and a mason jar. That's my dinner date. Then crack the window in the kitchen, let it ventilate. Cause I let it sizzle on the stove like a minute steak. He's really hot right now. Oh yeah. He's the president of good music. Kanye Kanye West made him the president of the record company the president of what did you say good music okay <laughs> getting um it stands for getting out our dreams oh okay yeah and it's it has uh big sean i think kid cuddy's on there oh, cool. um kanye west pusher t there's a lot of like big name rappers that's on that music label and they're not just putting out just uh mainstream popular music they're putting out a lot of conscious rap a lot of rap that talks about what's going on in like in, po- in politics in the hood like the stuff that you wouldn't know Actually, just from listening to Little Wayne or something like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Tell well, what, me more. What, what in particular yeah. does this song mean? So this song specifically, it's sad. It's a Pusha T song, but it's Kendrick Lamar's verse that really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. The whole song is just about being poor growing up in the hood. I know that's regular stuff that rappers talk about in general, but I like the fact that they're not glorifying anything. Like everything they talk about, they talk about how gritty it is, how wrong it is, how bad it is, how they were kids living in this situation. I come from the hood. Like I come from like I grew up like you hear me in my jokes. I say I grew up on a house on 36 that was next to an alley that was a crack house itself. And across the street was a whorehouse. Mm -hmm. So I grew up seeing some crazy stuff. Even when I talk to my wife and I tell her certain things, she's just amazed at what I went through by the age of like 12. So Kendrick Lamar's verse here, he literally, every line he says, says something from my childhood. Wow. He says, um, my aunt selling my Sega Genesis and then buying it again and then selling it back. 
Yeah. Like I had so many family members. I, I didn't, I never played my Super Nintendo. That was the only system I was actually able to get on Christmas. And I never really got to play it because one of my crackheaded aunts kept selling the games mm-hmm. and then kept selling the system itself. So that she can go get more crack and then she'll get her check or something and go buy it. But hey, I got it back for you from pawning it or whatever. And then I'll get it for like a week and then she sell it again. So how does it feel to hear Kendrick kind of speak to you i mean are you kind of relieved you're like oh i'm not the only one is it make you feel less alone and no like- yeah you said it right there like it makes me feel warm in the inside because for the most part and that's the part of the reason i do what i do and as far as stand up and all this other stuff is because i want people to know my story i want people to know where i come from because it's comforting to know other people come from where you come from and they went through what you went through that you weren't the only one that was like living in hell in a sense you know what i mean mm-hmm. in your mind's eye the picture in your brain when you're eight years old describe your house describe a saturday afternoon at your house at seven eight years old seven eight years old okay so like i said i set off at 36 and western and 36 and western is uh central la yeah it's like south central south central you know I mean? we don't say south central anymore is that no nah, you... yeah they they don't like us to say south central anymore because oh, they really? just really they've made that term seem so negative and dangerous and bad so they like to everyone tries to stay away from that you know interesting but that's how they're I trying up. to gentrify the language too oh yeah and they're gentrifying the land too like we were talking about earlier with the train like South Central isn't South Central anymore. It's nice. It's a good area, sadly enough. But when you you're ta- when you were seven, eight years old, living on thirty six, what what your house look like? Who was in the house? My house was literally a shack. It was a one room shack, kind of. We had a kitchen, and the living room area that was like really big. I remember our floors were dilapidated as far as like I can fall through the kitchen floor probably and end up in the basement area. We didn't have a basement or just where the under the house was. Yeah, rental or own. It was rent. Did you ever talk about the landlord? Did it ever come up like, why is this guy not fixing anything? No, the landlord was a slumlord. It was a woman named Mrs. I don't know if I should say her name. No, please. Mrs. Reese. I used to, I remember her name because I love Reese's Pieces. Like Reese's <laughs> Peanut Butter Cup. <laughs> and uh, so it was like these two little duplex, small little shack houses that was on this property. And they hadn't took care of it since like maybe the 60s. And across from our little shack was another shack. And that was where she housed her grandfather. And his name was Mr. Bell. I love this guy. Like, yeah. He had this Cadillac that I used to wash for him and oh. he just kept it clean. And in a messed up neighborhood like how we had, it was crazy for him to keep his things so clean and so nice. And he was an ex-military person, kind of like yourself. And he taught me a lot of things. That was part of the reason why I wanted to be a cop and I wanted to be in the military. So, but, so in, in the state of the reality that you inhabited, poverty would be an appropriate word. Oh, yeah. If I was, you named everybody that lived in that house when you were eight years old, could you name everybody that lived in the house? Well, see, that's the thing, too. So for a long time, Uncle or AC. My mom stayed there. I didn't get to grow up with my mom. I grew up with my grandparents. That was the other thing. So you have no idea how many commonalities we're talking right <laughs> we're now. We're gonna be best friends after oh, this. Sure. Already, we just became. Go ahead. I love that. Yeah. So my basic story is when I was born, my mom was like, she didn't want me. She wanted to give me for adoption. My grandfather was like, no, keeping them in the family. She kept me. So he paid the rent at that house. And everybody came and lived there when they didn't have somewhere to go mm-hmm. or when they didn't want to follow rules and whatnot. So my uncle AC stayed there. My aunt Regina stayed there. My mom stayed there. And my grandfather was the only one that went to work on a regular basis. Wow. Even my grandmother, all of them were on crack at one point, except for my aunt Regina. My uncle sold crack. Did you have any awareness of th- that oh, this was yeah. going on? I knew. All, that's the other thing. I was the, I'm the oldest in my family. Like out of all the cousins, out of everybody that had kids, I was the firstborn. Mm-hmm. So I was hyper aware of everything. I was an extremely intelligent kid. I don't mean to like who took no, my yeah. own horn. Like I knew too much at a young age. Like mm-hmm. everyone that met me, if you met me at 12 years old, you thought I was a 30 year old. 
Like I was already saying, oh, I'm going to get married one day. I'm going to have a wife. I'm going to have a job. Yeah. I'm going to work hard. I knew what it was. I didn't want to be a hustler. I didn't want to be a pimp. That's part of the reason I like this song. Yeah. Because I hate this stuff where they glorify, like, I'm going to be a hustler. I'm going to be a pimp. I'm going to be that. If you grew up in that neighborhood, if you saw what was going on, you wouldn't want to be that. Because you know there's only, it's not even just that it's hard. Yeah, it is extremely hard. <laughs> You're getting chased by the police. You're walking this line of just just trying to survive. But if you grew up in that, you don't want to be that. You're trying to figure out a better way to get out of that. The hustlers, the pimps, the drug dealers, they're not telling you, hey, one day I'm going to groom you to be a super pimp or a super hustler. No, they're telling you the smart ones. They're telling you not even the smart ones, any of them. They're telling you, you don't want to do this. Yeah. You're smarter. Hey, go to college, Marcellus. This is funny. My nickname growing up was Bebop and Rocksteady because I love the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Wait, say it again. It was Bebop and Rocksteady. It wasn't just Bebop or Rocksteady. These are two different characters. All right. Uh -huh. it, now, this is because <laughs> I knew all the crackheads and I used to walk around even in elementary. I used to walk through the alley to get to my 36th Street school, which was just on the other side. I knew all the crackheads because my uncle used to sell them dope. My mom and my grandmother was friends with all of them. So I knew all the crackheads. I knew Bobby. I knew Fred. I knew Denise. I knew I could sit here and name them all. I knew Clarice. Clarice used to steal video games from other people and sell them to me just so she can go buy her rock. And I love these. Don't get me wrong. These people, they had an addiction, but they were great people. They were really good. They were streetwalkers. They were just the and they loved me. They knew who I was. Oh, that's Marcellus. That's the good kid. And all these people used to tell me, you don't do this. Stay away from it. Run. I know you're smart. I know you can get away. I know you can blah, blah. And that turned me into like this. Hood superhero, in a sense. Like Hood superhero. That's how I felt. I got made fun of a lot growing up, too, right. because of this. But I had this just mentality that I'm not going to be like this. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to do something better. Because you don't want to. I think what it is is you don't want to survive. You want to live. Yeah. Right. You want to thrive. I didn't even know that, though. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that till probably like five years ago yeah. until I met my wife, truthfully. I didn't know what was the difference between surviving and living. I thought they were the same thing. And that's what happens when you grow up like in a jungle. Where'd you, you meet your wife? I met my wife working for Bank of America doing security. We met online playing video games, Call of Duty. She's oh a gamer? God. She's <laughs> a gamer. Yeah, yeah, she is. I'm a nerd. That's the other thing I think that I, I have to say helped me get out the hood and helped me just like be the superhero complex that I have that kept me just I read these impossible stories my whole life of guys that did things that was not was just wasn't possible yeah. and all they really did was just have this perseverance or this just this heart to do it even when they lost their powers that was the thing I used to always like when they make them lose their powers and they're still like I'm still gonna do this I'm still gonna blah 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 I don't care if I don't have power that taught me like I don't care I'm gonna make my power I'm gonna be whatever I have to be so I have this nerd mentality every she knows she knows I'm like everything is just nerd 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 with me so my wife First of all, she let me name my son after a comic book character. Well, what's, what's the name? It? His name is Remington. Remington. I don't know comic book. Well, he's named after Gambit, Remy LeBeau. Oh. He's from the X-Men. That's my boy. Oh. So that's one thing. And not to mention we met playing video games, Call of Duty. We used to shoot at each other online. And then <laughs> what was your wedding like? Was it all... Video, was it all game themed? No, we haven't had a big wedding. We just got married at City Hall. That's great. Like, um, she actually said no when we first when I tried to marry her. So, <laughs> <laughs> but it's City Hall. Okay, then yes. No, no, it wasn't even just that. It was just like she was like, I don't want to be forced to get married right now. I don't want because we had, she got pregnant. Like oh, uh, okay. my son was going to be born, so she, I was just like, I want to make you, I want to make you a honest woman. And she was wow. just like, it's not that serious. <laughs> wow. wow. So we got married later when she wanted to get married. Which and her was name good. is her name's Rosanna Ho. Rosanna. Shout out to Rosie. Shout out to Remy. Uh -huh. It's my boy. Aww. Family but, thing. Family, family. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize like what was the difference between living and surviving until I met my wife, and she started taking me like to Big Bear and like oh, just, I love Big Bear. Yeah. yeah. What was it like the first time that she took you somewhere like Big Bear? 
The okay. first time that you felt like you were like living and not no, just no, surviving. No, no, no. It's crazy. There's little places that she took me that I felt like I was living. And she just, she says it. It's almost like taking a kid out. She's like, I'm yeah. like, kind of like your mom sometimes. She's like, I can't oh. wear all these hats. She, she is, It's overwhelming for her because I think the first place she took me was Disneyland. Forget, wow. forget Big Bear, Disneyland. I had only been to Disneyland once. And that's because my Aunt Helen, I was big in the church. I used to do community service. I used to get locked in my room because they didn't want me to go out and see everything that was going on, even though I would see it in, in the living room. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But they would lock me in the bedroom area and only let me watch History Channel or AMC or certain little old things. I don't know why. But it made me into a genius. I'm happy. I'll mm-hmm. take it. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it did. I used to correct teachers oh on a regular God. basis, and they hated me until they realized this little kid's just a smart ass. But my aunts, a lot of my great aunts, that's the thing too. When I say aunts, I might be a little confusing because I grew up with my grandparents, so they're sisters and brothers. I call them my aunts. Sure. You know Got what I mean? It. Even though mm-hmm. they're my great aunts. Mm-hmm. So all my aunts, they were into the church. They were pastors. They were preachers. They were bishops. And one of my aunts was a pastor and a, a registered nurse. I'm my aunt Helen. And when her daughter's birthday came up, she was like 14. She was like, Marcellus, have you ever been to Disneyland? I was like, no, I heard about it. Is there really a Disneyland? She's like, oh, my God. So she took me to Disneyland. And that had been the only time I had ever been to Disneyland. And because it was my cousin Jasmine's birthday, we had to do what she wanted to do. So there's a lot of things like Space Mountain. I want to do Space Mountain. I'm a nerd. I didn't get to do Space Mountain. You know what I mean? I don't blame her. It's her birthday. I'm going to do what she's going to do. I love my cousin Jasmine. She's one of my favorite cousins. Like, I got to do so much stuff because of her and her mother. And wow. even my Aunt Regina and my little sisters, like, mm-hmm. because of them, I get to do so much. So I had never been to Disneyland. So my wife took me. She was like, oh, my God, I love Disney. I have a season pass. I've had a season pass since I was 14. I'm just like, <laughs> B. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she has all these Mickey lanyards with all the little stuff. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like, yeah. I'm ticking the turtle one. You're like, I want that. But yeah, no. So. Are you building it up now? No, I'm, I'm, I'm working with Remy. That's the cool part. Like having okay. a son, I, I get to experience a lot oh, of stuff sure, with him. Yeah, but right. she took me to Disneyland and that was just like, I know why it's the happiest place on earth now. Like I had sweet and then I fell asleep on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love about Marcellus is that he's just so grateful to be wherever he is in exactly that moment. Oh, yeah, no. And you can just tell just having talked to you for 10 minutes. Like Maybe. you're just like, yeah. Easy I, connection. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. Song number two. Number two. Mm-hmm. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are This is like, so I'm. I have goose pimples. I'm one of those real type of guys. This is Nina Simone. This is Nina Nina Simone. Simone. Um, Don't let me be misunderstood. And I'm one of those type of people that you know when something's real popular, you're supposed to be into it, or like Mm -hmm. someone's like, that's it. That's what you know. Mm -hmm. I don't get into it because of that. I'll stay away from it because of that. Consciously. Consciously. Too many people are going there. Never seen an Oscar-nominated film. No. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know. Locked in the room watching A&E still. That's why you don't tell you stuff. No, but I try and stay away. That's why I stay away from the critics. I stay away from a lot of like just mainstream media when it comes down. I stay on online looking up, reading my own stuff. Screen Rant is my friend. I love Screen Rant, even though they they talk about a lot of little weird things. But so with Nina Simone, a lot of people are just like, I'm cultured. I love Nina Simone. She's blah, blah, blah. So I stayed away from it for a long time. And then there was this rapper that sampled her. Oh. oh, his name was Zar Kane, and he sampled that part for his chorus. Mm-hmm. And I was like listening to it, and I cried, I cried, I cried, I cried listening to it. And I had to find. I was like, "Where? Did, what is this?" I was online looking on. What is this? I couldn't. <laughs> like, what is this? This thing that he who sang that? Like, and then I found out it was a sample, and it was Nina Simone. And I was like, "Oh, this is why." Uh-huh. And then I spent like a year just listening to nothing but Nina Simone. I got my wife to order some CDs from me. She's kind of like, I hate to say it, she's kind of like my secretary. I can just be like, I like this. And the next day, Amazon, I have it airlifted, dropped. I love her. She's just like, you deserve this. You have, you've had such a screwed up life. Like you need this, like anything to make me smile. She's there. I I love that. And it's more than that, but sure. sure. um, But yeah, so I was just nothing but in the car, Nina Simone, in my Walkman, Nina Simone, like everywhere I was just listening to it. And this song itself, it just it speaks to me because being like I said a young black man growing up the way I did, I had to walk this line, okay? Because I wasn't a gangbanger, I wasn't a thug. I took martial arts, so I could be a gangbanger, a thug if I wanted to. I could hurt people. I was good at it, but so I used to walk this line, as I used to say, because I'm not a gangbanger, I'm not a a thug, and I'm not a cop. Mm-hmm. And police, I'm sorry, they stereotype and they they look at you the way you are. I I'm, I look like a young gangbanger. I want to be popular. I want to dress a certain way. I want to blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I would be attacked from every side. I get attacked by good people because they think that I'm a bad person, and, and I get attacked by bad people because they know I'm not a bad person. So I was very misunderstood growing up. Everywhere I went, right now, if I if you guys were to take me into a market in Burbank. I would shop differently than what you would think is normal. Mm-hmm. My wife noticed this. I didn't even notice this. She noticed this taking me to a store. What is, so shop differently, what does that mean? So I don't shop comfortably. Keep your hands out of your pocket, yes. up in the air, because mm-hmm. you got the cameras Damn coming near. down. And I'm a security guard. I work in this field. I, I know what it is. But at that same time, I don't want. So when I'm walking, say if I'm on the aisle, I make sure I'm a couple of feet back. So, you know, I'm not taking stuff and putting it somewhere. If I have a hood on, no matter how cold my head is, I just got a haircut. Uh-huh. I would love to have my hood or a beanie on. But no, I'm not going to do that because it makes me look a certain way. So if I go in the store, I'm taking my hood off automatically. I'm pulling my sleeves up. I'm making sure that they know that I'm not sliding stuff in. I'm not doing little things like this is something consciously that I do in everywhere I go. See, my my stepbrother, my, my mom married a black guy mm-hmm. when we were, um, and I say that because that's the script's title right now, my yeah. married a black guy <laughs> in 72. And so I was immersed from a very white conservative family in 72 or 73 into a black family that lived That's in crazy at that time period, too, to be able to just... It, it was, and, and what my stepbrothers and I, most of us are in the business, show business at this point mm-hmm. to some degree or whatever, when we sit down to try to write it, it we, we have to make up crazy stuff. Like, you know, it was what it was, but oh, in wow. terms of, you know, shopping differently, when we got our first apartment in New York, my stepbrother Bill, who was far more accomplished, better degrees, and way advanced in his career, he's only a year older than me, and mm-hmm. he kind of mentored me into the show business thing, you have to go talk to the landlord. 
to get the apartment. I mean, that's when I was really introduced to, oh, okay, that's that's a yeah. different thing. And you said something, too, that struck me, which is, I promise you we're not going to do that growing up a young black man. I won't make this whole conversation <laughs> about it. There's nothing else to talk about. No. Yeah. Yeah, There's so. really nothing else to talk about in that regard. And mm-hmm. it's, I'm fascinated. And people say, oh, you grew up like in a half-white, half-black household in the south side of Syracuse, in the hood? Yeah, but that doesn't get me anything. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know anything more. It's a deeper experience than to just be like, oh, I'm sorry that happened, Anthony. I'm sorry that happened, William. I'm sorry that happened, Victoria. I can empathize with you, but I have no idea what just happened to you. In terms, you know racism, in terms of racism, in terms of stereotyping. I don't know. But you've been it's like a Jewish person. Do I don't know yeah. what it's like to be a Jewish person. But no, this is the thing that's cool about you. You <laughs> just said something that puts you on a whole other level that like my wife says a lot too. The fact that you lived and you saw it, that's why you feel like I don't understand it and I don't know what happened. You can't say that it, it, it happened to you or that it did anything, but mm-hmm. it's just that experience itself that changed you and that helped you change the world in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. Like people don't, if I think sadly enough, if, if you could live with a black person, if you could live with a black person, if you could see what it is, you know, like yeah. it, it would be just, it'd be different. It'd be great. But um, damn, man, I didn't know that's crazy to hear. <laughs> But, okay, so with Nina Simone, she just didn't want to be misunderstood. And it was just something about the way that she said it. She expressed it in the best way. Like, no one's perfect. No one's always right. Like, I just want you to understand me. And with marriage, I'm learning, like, that's what it is. It's just all understanding. Like, you, yeah. you're you not right. She's not right. Hey, I want to understand what's going on. So let's talk about it. That's what you feel. That's what I feel. Okay, uh, let's just go and eat something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's go get some cake or something. Some cake. I think that's so true. David, you said something that was really interesting. You're like, I don't I don't really know what's going on and we don't really know how to do this. And you were kind of talking about it's not a race thing. It's a good versus bad. And we don't know what that looks like. And how do we go from here? And I think a lot of it is just listening and just doing this and just mm-hmm. opening your ears and and not just listening, but really hearing and trying to understand. No, no, you're right. And that is that's the truth. Yeah. And maybe that's why marriages so often fail. Not that yours will that was that came out so wrong but i think just listening to divorce rate because no, no one's like right. i'm going to totally edit all this no, out. No, fine. No, keep it i'm going to why to shuffle Your is face freedom was like, oh my god no. i'm going to tell my wife like this is the part where she says we're going to get a divorce no no right no, no, no that's no, not wait. what i'm saying at all no, it sounds no. like you two my wife really, loves you. you already know this that's so cool I sound, you two really listen to each other yeah that's what it sounds like well that's, that's it right that's what i'm trying to say that's it we're not really hearing each other and that's the step it's like we spend so much time talking on our big media microphone platforms and and we, we stopped listening i want to fix it i want to tell you what to do i want to tell you what the problem yeah. is and i want to give you an answer and there's no answers there's yes. actions you know and yeah. listening is an action mm-hmm. i mean it, it it's easy to talk about it here and it's harder to find it out there but it's out there I, I mean. one one step at a time mm-hmm. one show at a time one song at a time at a time kendrick nina it's about to get weird probably See, this is hard because this is Tina Marie Deja Vu, and all the Tina Marie songs take about five minutes to get started. <laughs> it is going to take like two minutes before she even says anything. Cool. <laughs> so then, then what's, what's she about to say to you? Um, this is Deja Vu, and this is basically where she, she puts herself in all these different scenarios of love, and she just talks about how uh, reincarnation and how like love never dies. 
And it, it just speaks to me being like a hopeless romantic. You know what I mean? Aww. Like it does like I'm if you I read a lot. I read a lot. Not just comic books too. And in like all the books that I read, a lot of detective novels and a lot of just even the sci fi stuff, if you notice, it is a love story. There's always a love story. Love stories make they, they make the story move on no matter what. No matter what type of action story it is, no matter what type of drama it is. And guys sci-fi. like that stuff? Yeah, we just don't like too much of it. Okay. <clears throat> Am I right? I, I, my curiosity to you, Marcellus, is like the hopeless romantic. I, question one, when did you begin to start to hear words and music and lyrics and begin to establish a personal connection? Two, when did you begin to start to experience this the love thing and who was it with and where did it happen? Oh, it's all bad. <laughs> you you asking good questions. So music has been really hardcore in my family my whole life oh okay if you know anything about black people old black people make young black people dance for them at two o'clock in the morning (laughs) is that true it is very true (laughs) they wake you up in the middle of the night in your pajamas and they're drunk and high and they make you dance to old songs no joke (laughs) i guess i'm glad get out of bed (laughs) it's a party i guess i'm glad we have netflix now where they could probably like put something on but my so grandmother used to do this to me. It'd be the Temptations. Oh, It'd be nice. like, oh, wow. like Rick James, Super Freak. I don't know why. And I'd be Super Freak, Super Freak. Super you're freaky, sleepy like and you're like footy pajamas <laughs> and you're trying to and dance. They just want to share that experience with their I mean, friends, you know? Elders, it's like you know? we just and it'd be like, do the robot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I from a young age, I've been just really submerged in music like my, mm-hmm. my grandparents they love music they had record players they always so i'm a music person I'm a, i've always been a music person music has always spoke to me i've always listened to the words i've ever, always been able to recite the words learn certain things from raps and even like regular songs and be able to just walk around and say it and it makes me feel better i've always found like comfort in words in general whether it's sound or even on paper yeah because i think you know, i work with young people a ton my whole career 30 years has been with young people and, mm-hmm. and self sort of investigation analysis of myself and there's there's the sound there's the tempo there's the beat there's the feeling there's the energy and then there's the contemplation that goes in both things were happening mm-hmm. when you were young oh yeah always, leading always. up to this hopeless romantic that i want to hear about when okay that and so happen? that's the other thing i realized i was a very emo kid growing up because i didn't know who my father was and I, I was really hardcore on that in my head and my mom like i didn't have a lot of what's to call it a, I don't want to say experience. I didn't have guidance. so much that's guidance. I just didn't have time with her. I didn't get to, to see her or like mm-hmm. talk to her too much. Mm-hmm. So I've always been, I, I didn't know it before. I know that now I've always been trying to fill that void within myself. And I've learned that I've always listened to like sad love songs mm-hmm. and like really kind of depressing love music, mm-hmm. even when I was like eight. And that's bad because that sets you up for defeat. Like wow. you have this just thing in your head of like how love's supposed to be. And this perfect, concept of love because mm-hmm. you listen to all these love songs these people that are set back they try to figure out a way to talk to their loved one and tell them like express it through a song i don't think it's just music though too i think it's what we see in movies and on television especially if you go back and look at some of those sitcoms of the 90 the 80s and 90s no you're right yeah. the media in general mm-hmm. no it, it makes you think that you have to have a perfect family that exactly. you need this a mother a father um mm-hmm. that they have to make things work no matter what mm-hmm. That love beats everything, no matter what's going on. Yeah. So, um, I, within music itself, like especially oldies, they they have a way better understanding of music than '90s music, like New Kids on the Block. Like what they were talking about the white stuff and love and all that. They were talking about pop love. You're experiencing the emotional, you know, message, whatever the vibe, you know, you're getting from this stuff. And like, where did you find the the first sort of your ability to express these? 
emotions with other people. And when we were 12, 13, 14, who are you hanging with? Who was your, you know, significant other? It's sad. Like, I tell us that story. I didn't get a girlfriend until I was like 16. I was really a loner. Like I didn't, I had a couple of guys I got to go skateboarding with and, but my grandmother used to keep me like literally locked inside because she didn't want me to be, to see what was going on on the outside. She didn't want to be a gangbanger. She didn't want to be, do, do certain things. The neighborhood that I grew up in was mostly Hispanic. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of black people, but for some reason, the black people used to get bussed out to other schools. And the schools I went to, I was usually be like the only black guy. It would put me in an atmosphere where I would be the only different person. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the girls, they didn't want the different one. They wanted like the one that they're used to, the one that looks like their dad, the one mm -hmm. that blah, blah, blah. So I've always just been like a loner. Like I never had a girlfriend. I never had any girls that was interested in me. I would be interested in certain girls and try and talk to them. And they, and oh, I forgot to tell you guys, I was really short and fat. <laughs> like before puberty hit me, I looked nothing like this. Like I was literally slender, like slender, handsome. No, tall. no, I wouldn't say that I'm slender and handsome I, now. My wife kind of, uh, you know, I'm slender. You, I'm got, slender. you got some, some I'm working beef on it. I'm there, working on it. I have, know, I've been, Jesus, it's so hard to like short and heavy yeah I, I look pregnant i look nine months pregnant <laughs> like when i look at pictures when i was a kid in the shirt i looked pregnant and i had breasts i should have had a bra but no yeah they they weren't feeling me so a lot of girls i used to have a crush on i used to do things like go to um let's call it what's the name of those shops that have like old stuff um antique shops yeah like antique shop i'll and go to an antique shop, shop. yeah thrift shop kind mm -hmm. of thing and i'll buy a ring and think that's like oh it's so nice it's a nice ring i was able to save my allowance and get it and i'll go take it to a girl and be like hey would you like to be my girlfriend and <gasps> i'd be like in third grade oh <laughs> like, that's beautiful it was all bad and they'd be like no get that box away from me what are you like Aww. i don't so it'd be things i write poetry i used to write poetry i would try and try and give it to girls and things like that and i used to get turned down constantly wow so i was a but you loner. kept going i kept trying i kept yeah. trying um but i think it was 16 when i finally i chased this girl her name was cecilia mm -hmm. and um I, I love this girl. I was, I was in love with this girl. I was in love with everybody. I know. But she was half Asian, half half Mexican, and she was a genius. And the whole problem right was, level, yeah. yeah I, I didn't know I was a genius back then, though. I thought it was a dummy. I really did. Aww. I didn't know my potential. Mm. So, but I was able. I aimed high. Aimed mm -hmm. high. <laughs> and I remember the first time that I tried to talk to her was it was the last day of school, and you know how they have like the little parties in all the classrooms, mm -hmm. and I snuck out of my party. I think it was like 10th grade, went to her class party and I was, and I told her, I was like, I like you. I like you. I've always liked you. And she's like, I knew that Marcella's you. It's obvious. Aww. Like all year you've been stalking me kind of. Like. <laughs> and she's like, I like you too. And the thing was that she had always had a boyfriend, this guy named Robert, who was a jerk. And mm -hmm. I, I was just waiting for them to break up. And she was like, me and Robert broke up yesterday. So I'm like, yes. And, you know, I talked to her that whole day. I would not let her go. I was like talking to her the whole day. We bonded. And at the end of that day, we kissed <gasps> in the oh. band room, in the band room. Yes. Oh, that's so was that perfect. Was that your first kiss yes, ever? Was, it was my first official kiss. Yes. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it was so my all first. American, yeah. you know, yeah, in the band room. boy meets girl, kiss in the band room. <laughs> but this is the problem. The next day I got sent to a church retreat for three weeks. Oh, Aww. oh, what were you thinking about every night? <laughs> yeah, think about that, uh, young teenage man. When I came back from the summer retreat, she was back with Robert. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Dang. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they stayed together for three years, no all through phones, high school. No internet no, back then. Yes. You were just text, alone exactly. and thinking. We had even... AOL dial-up. Right? Jeez. Man, yeah, so tragedy. Yeah. <sighs> I didn't get to like talk to her again until senior year. It, once again, it was like the month before we were about to go to college. And she's like, hi. And we kissed again. We talked. 
But then she went to the East Coast somewhere. She was mm-hmm. like, I'm not staying around for you. Where'd you go to school? I went to Humboldt State in Northern California. Oh, cool. Humboldt State. I've yeah. always been like, I, the, to me, the first thing that comes to mind about Humboldt State is Humboldt County weed. Or oh, yeah. Definitely. That's what I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> It's What's at, that like up there? Um, it's wonderful. It, oh, I loved it. I loved it. And it had nothing to do with the marijuana. Coming from a, a city like Los Angeles, yeah. when I was trying to find what college I wanted to go to, I wanted to go somewhere far. But my grandmother was like, you can't go out of California. You have to stay in California. All these California colleges, you got to go to California, a school in California. So I've chose the furthest California college oh. there is. Yeah, you know, this right at the border. Um, but... It has a redwood forest right in his backyard. Mm. It has a beach in his front yard. They gave me a full scholarship. Even though I didn't play basketball or football, they gave me a full academic scholarship. scholarship Wow. Because they just needed more minority students up there. There was no one there. Wow. And they flew me out there when I was in 11th grade just to see this campus, to just see how it is. And recruit us. And it's because when I was in high school, I was part of this technology academy that Mm -hmm. worked with JPL, NASA, um, with software companies. I did internships like all around California for this software company. So I was kind of like a big thing back then. Like I had been in the LA Times like three different times. And... um, what did you study in school? Criminal Justice Administration and Sociology. Okay. I told you I wanted to be a cop. So oh, okay. Yeah. I, 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 did I did the sociology. Social... Really? Uh-huh. Oh. I feel like it was a waste, though. <laughs> yeah, you can't do anything with <laughs> no. sociology. Unless you go a... for a master's degree. but Exactly, and, or be like a social worker or something mm-hmm. like That's that. That's what like... the, I got into grad school for social work. Oh, wow. But then I got married in between graduating and going to grad school, and then I was like, eh, I'm over school. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I yeah. hear you. It's crazy. Um, but you know, you were saying something earlier too about like um, as far as far as like community service and giving like to the kids and whatnot, mm-hmm. and that's something that I, I've, I've sadly enough I use my social sociology degree for that. Um, I've been doing a lot of like community service, that's great. like going back to Watts, going back to my old high school, um, doing career days, and just that alone has shown me something more within myself. So I went to Humboldt State that was so far away. And when I tell the kids that, they're just like, what? I've never heard of this college. What are you talking about? What is that? And then I'll show them some pictures and they're just like, that's amazing. It looks like something out of Hogwarts or it looks like right. something. Oh, yeah. It looks oh, like yeah. magical. And they don't know that this is in California. Mm-hmm. It's depressing for me, you know, that they don't know this is California. And this is potential. Like you can get a cow grant to go here and you can like, well, you didn't why like. You did it. But that's that was why, you. That's why like, that you, happened. You lived Disneyland is in your backyard and you didn't know that was a thing. Good point. Until yeah. you were in your mid-teens. Yeah, no, good point. And that's why when they flew me out there and I saw it, it, it won me over. Who was your roommate? My first roommate was a football player. He looked just like Lawrence Fishburne. No joke. He looked like he was Lawrence Fishburne's like son. Wow. No joke. And his name was um, Kyle. Mm-hmm. And he was he was my best friend. Like, Aww. honestly, like I'm sad that we didn't keep like in connection after college. He um, wind up going to Pittsburgh and I think he's still playing football. We were perfect roommates because I'm such a nerd and I, I don't like I, I barely drink. I probably smoked a little marijuana when I was younger every once in a while. But and he was the same way. He didn't do any drugs. Uh-huh. He was a football player. He sure. was like, I, like I said, I was really heavy into church. He was a Christian. He was really into church. So yeah. it was like hardcore. We were just like perfect for each other. Like we used to talk about it wasn't anything like you would imagine from regular college movies and TV shows where it's like we got into all these hijinks and blah, blah, blah. We were just like, <laughs> we were studying like, hey, you yeah. need a ruler? I got a ruler. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just two black guys just hanging out, blah, blah, blah. It was nothing like you would think. <laughs> the most we would get in an argument is like, did you? Boy, did you not put my X-Men comics back? <laughs> I know you said you're not a nerd like me, but if you're going to borrow X-Men number 34, you better put it back in the case. Like, that was like the biggest thing. Or he's going to buy my mad. house someday, that comic. <laughs> no, seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here we go. Number three. 
Gambino, that's what it is? Yeah. What's the name of the song? Bonfire. Got it. Off the Camp album. That's a big diversion from our first two. Kendrick speaking truth and reality, Nina with love and none. So um, this is Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. He's a big, uh, how do I say this? But influence into a lot of the stuff that I am today, like what I am today. He showed me something that I didn't know was possible. What is it? Um, I can do whatever I want. How did Childish Gambino and Glover? Is that da- Donald family Glover? name? Okay. I don't think he's ra- related to uh, Danny Glover. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, no, um, Donald Glover, he's a stand-up comedian. He's a writer. Oh. He's a actor. Okay. He's a rapper. He started working a, a really a lot of things, doing like sketch comedy with Tina Fey. Oh, whoa. Because he says that's his biggest influence in life. Tina Fey and she literally one of the things I was looking at an interview with him where he was like that Tina Fey came to him after he wrote some sketches for Saturday Night Live or something like that and told him like you're a genius you're hilarious keep doing what you're doing and just having someone at her level tell him that she kept working with him kept trying to get him different gigs and everything and he he made it he got he's amazingly big he's going to be Han not Han Solo he's going to be Lando Carlithian aha you don't have to do it Lando Lando there you go so Lando was played by Billy D. Williams originally, and now they're redoing the Han Solo movie where they're showing like the the origin of him, mm, and cool. he's going to be playing the young Lando. Cool, which is just epic. It's epic. Like I'm mad at him. I wish I could have been playing young Lando. Like of that's course. my goal right now with comedy and everything I'm doing. Like you see how hard I'm working. Yeah, I just want to be a superhero one day. Okay. Yeah, naturally. I'm no. I'm serious. Like, no, they, they I mean getting... you already are to so many. Thank you. Yeah. You're just dang, Maggie gonna make. Do you me know this person personally, Gambino? Young? Oh no, no, I don't. Charles I don't Gambino. know him at all. But um, I first I didn't know he rapped. I saw him do some stand up. Mm-hmm. I got his um DVD and I was I was amazed. I thought it was hilarious because he's he's just like me. He's a nerd. He's mm-hmm. a uh, he's a black guy. A lot of people judge him to be one way, but he's actually another way. Like, do you like that? Do you like surprising people? When people come up to you and they think that you're one way and you're like, no, actually, I'm quite articulate and smart. And I know things about NASA and we could talk about <laughs> comic books. So No, I I don't want to say I don't know if I necessarily like it. No, I do. I guess I do. I like being different. Yeah. I love being different. Yeah. I love that when people are afraid of me or like certain little things and then they, they actually get to know me and they. Yeah, you're right. I, I love it. Yeah. I love being different. I love being a better example in a sense. Yeah. Not even a better. I won't say better. Just a different. Just a different example. Yeah. No, you're right. I never thought about that. Thank you, Maggie. You made me just realize something <laughs> about myself. Like, no, I do. I like it. At first, I was like, I don't like that. Why would I blah, blah? That's the sociologist in you. Yeah, right. it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. He's fighting it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's very well-spoken black male. Uh, he's not your typical gangbanger, blah, 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 blah. He loves nerd stuff. He embraces it. And before that, I didn't embrace it. I really didn't. I didn't embrace it. I embraced it myself. But on the outside, I made sure that I was quiet and I was just a certain way. And just seeing him embrace the things that he embraced made me embrace myself even more and just be proud of it. 
and to see that the world accepted it. That's the other thing. He put himself out there on just this world platform, you know, YouTube, media, just like music, all this stuff. And the world accepted it. They loved it. Mm -hmm. They think he's funny. They think he's wonderful. They're not scared of him. And it's something that I always thought, like, no one's going to want to see me. No one wants to hear what I want to say. No one cares about what I care about. And then I'll see it on TV and I'll get mad. I'm like, man, I knew that was going to happen or I have a better story than that. Or I did you do stuff in high school? Like no, plays yeah, and no stuff I like did. That? That's, that's the other thing. <laughs> I didn't even know it. You didn't even know. I didn't it. know it. I, I wow. still talk to my English teacher a lot. I still talk to my math teacher a lot. They're like they were like parents to me. What are their names? Peter Ford and Jennifer Saparito. Shout out to the teachers. Shout out to the teachers. <laughs> um, Mr. Ford to this day, we still go see Star Wars, any X Men movie, anything. His son calls me his big brother, Aww. and um, any of the community service events that I do, a lot of times Miss Saparito, Jennifer, she'll call me. She'll hit me up. Hey, Marcellus, I need you to come down here. I need you to talk to these students. She, they know my story. They know where I come from. I had about three hundred different students running up to me, hugging me. Mr. Marcellus, I can't wait to Bobo. I want to write yeah, this. I can't. I'm not going to curse anymore because I. I can't be on TV if I don't curse. I'm not going to curse anymore because I can't be on radio if I can't curse. I can't make money if I don't blah, blah, blah. Like, I know how to put it into the terms right. that they need. Yeah. Um, but when you were in high school, you didn't know nobody. this was happening no, to you. you. I didn't, didn't know this. Yeah. So Miss Saparito, she's the one that said it. She was like, do you remember when you did the Valentine's play? I did Black Cupid when I was freaking in 11th grade. Black cool. Cupid. I was, they were doing the Valentine's play for high school. Right. And they had got this girl named Veronica and this other guy named Francisco to be Cupid. Cupid girl, Cupid guy. And I had went out to be Cupid, but they wouldn't let me be Cupid. So I just automatically, I used to always say this as a kid, I was like, because I'm black. Because I was the only black kid. Yeah. So I'd be like, it's because I'm black. And they'd be like, no more, so this is not because you're black. And I'm like, I'm just joking. It's not, I know yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. But I, and I was just, I told Miss Saparito, she was running a play and I was like, I want to be black Cupid. And she was like, what? And I was like, it's Black History Month. We should at least have a Black Cupid. And it's messed up that y'all don't have a Black Cupid. They never have a Black Cupid. And Were she you joking just, around about I this? I was joking around totally playing just, with her. And yeah. she was just looking at me. And she was like, dude, you are freaking, you can be Black Cupid. And I was just like, <laughs> really? She was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? She was like, we'll get you a costume and everything. You can't do the whole play, but I'll give you two blah, blah, blahs in it. And she was like, but you got to figure it out and you got to write it yourself. And I was Black Cupid. That's crazy. That I mean, isn't... that by her just taking your joking around and letting you roll with it then something happened i want to did you kill it oh i killed it so with black cupid i let them do their whole cupid thing throughout the whole thing so the last two sets of like performances that they were going to do when they came out I'm like now we're cupids and we're going to blah blah blah. I, I came i was like hey 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 see this is messed up y'all never tell me when this is blah 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 going on and they're like wait who are you i'm like i'm black cupid y'all <laughs> don't let black cupid do nothing Y'all had this whole play without Black Cupid being in it. And then, like, I just went on that whole thing. And they were like, stop it, Black Cupid. We sent you an email. And I, I wrote it <laughs> all. You wrote and, all those lines. Yeah, and they were just like, whatever. And I was like, I'm going to announce the next one. And then I did the whole, like, this plan, this is the blah, 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 reading poetry for blah, blah, blah. And I walked off stage with them. And they walked away. And then the last one, they came out. And they're out there they're like, all right, well, we, we made Black Cupid happy. And we let blah, blah, blah do this and that. And I came back out again. I was like, no, no, no. I get another thing. Y'all going to let Black Cupid talk. Is Black history month the shortest month of the year and y'all give it to black people and then y'all put valentine's day in there and won't even give me a black cupid i wrote all this stuff i was a kid and, and then wow. you go to college for criminal justice and sociology yeah, anything happened then like i mean no you know truthfully it's sad the most I would write, I didn't write. I didn't write. I was so hard. But you're hardcore. doing everything now. I mean, shows, no, I improv, stopped for, game shows. I stopped for so long. I didn't, because I didn't feel like. 
it's, that's the part about the hood. Like, I didn't feel like it was possible. I didn't think it would do anything. I didn't think I didn't think it was possible for me to take any of that and make money or be anything. And that's the stupid part. Well, when I think it's, not, now, it's obviously not too late. I no, mean, it's not no too late. way too late for you. you. I appreciate no, it. No, I mean, you look very young. I don't know how old you are. No, I'm I'm 33. Like, honestly, and... I moved to L.A. Got my first TV deal at 33. Oh, so you're way, you know, you're way. No, ahead. I appreciate. No, because yeah. when I look back, I feel like I wasted so much time. Now. I feel like I've, no. I messed up so much. No, because I had so much. I feel like I had so much potential but i still kind of have some of that potential yes, but i think the same thing though too because i'm also 33 and i feel like man i wasted all that time but you know what a good friend of mine told me she was like no you needed to go through all of those experiences to get to where you are to be ready and confident you're very confident in who you are Thank it's, you. it's very clear that marcellus is like i'm 52 50, yeah. i'll be 53 in are you July. serious i swear i mean it's still look at what look what i'm doing no i yeah. mean look what i'm doing this okay is the i'm gonna be racist i'm gonna be racist for a little while for a white guy you age really well hey, <laughs> like man, no joke know, i know how not to crack yeah that's my boy <laughs> you know? i like that mm-hmm. and then but maggie even with you i agree L- given the circumstances and just what i know about you mm-hmm. you had to go through those things so right. you know how strong you are right. and then how much material you got just from your life i know that's like wow i live through but no like your <laughs> no, stuff just, is real it's real yeah, and it's thanks. truth and it speaks to people for a reason because you lived it and you did it yeah, that's, but that's, that's right. informing i mean the life you live informs the creation mm-hmm. i mean that's and there's mm-hmm. no way you're going to get right because some, someone who's like you know grew up in the theater some people we see in the media whose parents were famous and then their kids get famous. If you don't have some life experience, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It's, it could be very dangerous. Shout out to Jaden. I'm calling names. I'm dropping mm, names. I'm sorry. Four. <laughs> number four. That was number four. That was four. I think we're five. Yeah. This is it. This is it. <laughs> the last one. We'll get down. listen to everything I've, I've always like growing up like i said i people i think that's one of the things that made me feel like i can do it like entertainment yeah because i'm into everything yeah. I, i'm into you're anytime. curious you're a curious person. there you go that's mm-hmm. the best thing and yeah. if i'm curious about it i'm gonna find out about mm-hmm. it i'm gonna do something i love corn i've loved i've always been a rocker corn got me through a lot of hard times tell me more as far as like um this is make me bad who introduced it to you uh, my friend Juan Castaneda, he comes to all my shows usually. Oh, no joke. Like, Is he also a comic? No, no. He's just a big fan. Just a big fan. Just because we grew up together. Like, He's one of the few friends that I had like from probably fifth grade all the way up to 12th grade. Wow. Like, we were like brothers until his family moved to Fontana. But he was a big rocker. He was a big skater. And he got me into skateboarding. And he got me into listening. At first, I was just like, man, what is this? Yeah. And then I started listening to the words. And the words just really like all this rock. The words make me it hits close to home like it's always society and media expecting you be a certain way and not being able to work your way up or just to to meet those expectations right they just express teen angst so he he made me listen to corn and before i knew it i was just freaking addicted to it i think freak on the leash was the first one i mm-hmm. listened to and um so you were into corn when it was big 
Oh, like yeah. in the in the nineties. In the 90s. My was... sister was super into it. I never got it. I didn't get it until much, much later. Ah. And so I always tell this story how my sister and I are like the sun and the moon. My mom always says that because out of her bedroom you'd hear corn. And then out of my bedroom you'd hear the musical rent. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were very different in that sense. And I would kind of I hated it, you know? She'd dyed her hair black and wore the corn jacket and I was like that looks stupid you're so stupid I'm in theater my life's better like we're and so it wasn't. happy <laughs> but it was a facade it was definitely fake you know for no, well, the teenage it was just two very different representations of going through the same when it come, when you said it like that too at one point I dyed my hair blue really yeah I had blue hair I, I was really emo yeah. at the time like and what do you I, mean when you say emo I, I mean because I think everyone I was just uses it different. Sad. I was extremely sad and I showed it to everyone. Like mm-hmm. I didn't like I didn't want to be happy. I didn't care. I was just like why, Yeah, why are you smiling? I'm in the <laughs> darkness over here. Northratu and right. the vampire. I was embracing everything dark and And you would write poems to girls that didn't want No, no, you said it. Yeah. I hate that you said it like that, but it's the truth. You said mm-hmm. it, you hit the nail on the head. Like mm-hmm. um I used to write poem poetry to just like I'm in the back of class. <laughs> you move your hair. You don't even know I'm here. Yes. Why does the darkness fade on me so hard? So corn. Yeah, corn. With your friend Juan. Yeah, my boy Juan. We used to skate with our headphones and our CD, Sony Walkmans, G-Shocks. Did he kind of introduce you to a lot of music? Juan didn't introduce me to anything. (laughs) He was more like an outlet. I didn't, I was, like I said, I was emo. I was one of those kids that I didn't talk about any of the things that were wrong with me or issues that was going on. Like Juan was just one of those few kids that knew the truth. He knew how sad I was. And, and what didn't was going make on. you talk about it. And didn't make me talk about it and right. didn't care, didn't judge me about it and was just like, man, let's just go have some fun. Let's just go blah, blah, yeah. blah. So we didn't, we didn't like. Ugh, we all need a wand. Oh, <laughs> yes. We all need a wand. We That's do. Like, I, I'll, I'll make a shirt that says that we all need a wand just for him. That's <laughs> yeah. dope. Like, truthfully. But yeah, so, um, but corn was just something we could connect on too because he had issues with his dad and he had like six yeah. sisters that, and they were the most wonderful girls in the world. They, they were like big sisters to me too. They just, they took me under. You didn't have a crush on any of them? No, I, I, I had a really good line drawn for me right. with people, with certain people. Like if I looked at you as a big sister, I wasn't trying to put it in you. Yeah. <laughs> like honestly, I, I really was good at that. Cause that so. was a phrase you thought of at 14, I'm sure. <laughs> I know nothing about boys. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your Faith Five. Those were really awesome. Thank you. I I realized how weird they were now that I was just like, not at all. I mean, they jumped around really nice. Yeah. You know, and then to finish it up with corn, I was like, okay, that's the diversity. Thank you. Super good stuff. Now that we've gone through who you are that got you to this point, what's a guilty pleasure that you're listening to right now? Is there a particular artist or band that you're like obsessed with? There's two. Mm-hmm. Ed Sheeran and Rihanna. I know that's weird. That's Ed Sheeran. See, I see Ed Sheeran. Like, you know what? I knew that too, because I get made fun of at work every time, and I'm Ed Sheeran, and they're like, Ed, No, Ed, I'm going to say it that way from now on. Ed Sheeran. It may sounds good, doesn't it? It's so cool. It sounds I, I pronounced the right Fosh. way. But that "Make It Rain" song—I don't know if you heard it—it was on the soundtrack for Sons of Anarchy. Ugh. And I just like heard it one day on Pandora and I just like cried listening to it because he's just 
I'm he's a, a sensitive dude. Taylor Swift just wrote an essay about him, and he came to her and he was like, I'm never going to win a Grammy. I'm not good at this. And she was like, just you wait. You're going to sweep it one year. Yeah. And just last year, I mean, he literally took everything. That's home. crazy to hear that he mm-hmm. came to her like that. Like, I'm never going to. Like, It shows where you are in your own head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he had no idea. And he was like, well, what do you think about this song? And it was uh, the photograph song, which kind of broke him mm-hmm. into pop mainstream media. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. So See, we're all going through the same thing. We're all just like, I'm not good enough for any of this. That's the other thing I like about Maggie. Maggie always has like information that I'm just like, why the, where the hell did you hear that? And I don't know if it's just from like work or in general, like, but you, you always have like good oh, information. I like that. Thanks. It's crazy. And then Rihanna. I don't, I really try to stay away from Rihanna. Why? I really, I just, I've never been a big Rihanna fan. Like musically or like because of her personality. Personality. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's not musically. Musically, like I can I can kinda like almost anything. Like as long as it's it's good music to a certain extent. But like her personality, that's what I don't like about television and reality TV and everything as a whole. Like I feel like never meet your heroes because hmm. once yeah. you meet them, it's just screws up so much stuff. Hmm. And um just like her personality and a lot of the things that she does, I, I don't like. Like what? I don't know. I when she got Thug Life tattooed on something, like I was just like, ah, Thug Life, and she's like, I got it for Tupac, and she's trying too hard. She tries too hard with a lot of little things, and just I don't know. Well, this is the thing too. I changed a lot because I realized that the medium will put you out there a certain way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With a lot of stars, I can't take what I get from media as that star. Thank you. And um, with Rihanna, what I've learned about her is that she's just herself. She doesn't care. She really, and you have to be like that. You have to be like that when everybody's telling you that you suck or you're this or that or you're great or you're blah, blah. You have to be yourself. You have to stay yourself. And that's what makes it so hard for me to grasp about her is that she's just being herself, that she doesn't care, that she's just... She's just being her. She's just having fun. She's just making music. She's just like being successful. And if I don't like that because I'm unhappy and I'm like, I can't do the stuff that she's doing or I don't, I'm not comfortable enough with myself to just be myself, then that's me. That's not her. Yeah. And I had to stop judging her music off of that. Hmm. And that's off that love song. Must be love on the, that, oh, I I cry every time I, I I told you guys I cry a lot. I don't want y'all to think like, I guys cry a lot. I'm a crier. (laughs) I'll be in a car listening to (laughs) Must be love on the brain. Just so you know, Rihanna does do a lot of philanthropic work also. She was just named uh, Humanitarian of the Year. Um, I did not know that. From see, Stanford, yeah. It's stuff like that that they I don't know. put out there. See what I'm saying? What yeah. I'm right. like, it's, it's yeah. the information. And that makes me feel a lot better about liking her. Like, yeah. it's stuff like that that makes me, had to, I had to stop judging. Because I was just like, it's wow, hard. she does a lot of good work, actually. She does a lot of stuff that, you know, another person, Nicki Minaj, I didn't like her that much. Right. Hmm. I totally hear you. But she came to my hotel. And she was just the nicest person in the world. Just cool. She was so. Just a person. It was she scary. So, seems hyper all the time. You know, I would be like, okay, please move it along. But or she, she seems like cool. she would be a, be a B or a diva or something mm-hmm. like that. But she's not. She was just so like we messed up on a couple of things, and she was like, it's okay, don't worry, it's fine. And I was just like, you know, I get yelled at for this from just like the regular person, and you're Nicki Minaj, and you're okay with this. Yeah. Like it was little things like that. I can't imagine that that level of attention, that level of fame you know it's like how can anybody maintain some kind of reality yeah it's it's, it's, it's beyond you know it's beyond the beyond (laughs) the last three weeks we've been doing this game called is this a bar name the name of a bar Mm -hmm. or is this the name of a band Uh band or bar band or bar i'm bad at this and we uh and then we we choose a city which you'll at the end of this you're going to get to choose our next city anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. you know we're i will research it and get uh, three three and three so this is Las Vegas, Nevada. 
Okay. okay. And you'll be playing against Maggie. I've got the answers in front of me, and you will tell me whether I'm telling you whether this is uh, the name of a bar. He just got shifty-eyed on me. Yeah. Or the name, the name <laughs> of a band, okay? okay. In Las Vegas, Nevada, is Neo the name of a bar? Neo, N-E-Y-O. Oh, I know. Or is this the name of a band? I'm going to go bar. It's a band. Neo is actually an artist. I know he's an artist, but dang. I would figure no one would name their band after an artist. I think he just looked at the wrong thing because Neo's probably playing as a residency in Las Vegas. We we may have our experts check this, but I've got it under bar. Oh, Oh, listed under bar. Yeah. yeah, My bad. Yeah, so that's one for I thought I lost for sure. No. I was going to be like, man, Maggie got this. (laughs) She knows more information. No, that's not true. Is this a, a bar? Or a band, Velveteen Rabbit. Velveteen Rabbit in Las Vegas. I'm going to go band. I want to go bar. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go band. It's a band. Oh, man. Marcellus, I it. Zero. <laughs> I was really going to go bar. Like, oh, truly, because, yeah. come on, Velveteen Rabbit? Yeah. Sounds like the book. Is uh, Parcel, par- Paracel uh-huh. is like an umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. And Paracel Up. The name of a bar or a band? Paracel <laughs> Up. I like how you explained it. I know. <laughs> am, I, um, am I like a game show host? Is that no? Yeah, you're, am you're, I in the right zone? I don't know. You, you got it. You got it. Paracel um, Up. I'm gonna go with bar. Me too. Yeah. It's a band. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, no winner. See, Maggie was like, Marcellus has been right every one. I'm gonna get I this know. one, and then yeah. I get it wrong. <laughs> These could be crazy. tricky. These are hard. Yeah. Escape yeah. the fate. Escape the fate. I'm going to go with band. You're going to go with band? Yeah. I'm going with the bar. It's a bar. Oh. Maybe, yeah. The state <sighs> is a bar. Our last two coming up. Herbs and rye. Herbs and rye. That's a bar. That's a band. Two dudes. Herbs and rye. It's a bar. It's a band. Yes. Herbs what? and rye is a band, not a bar. They can go what? either way. Herbs and rye? Come on. Last rye but not least, it's like slaughter. <laughs> slaughter. Slaughter? Slaughter, band or bar? That's a band. band. It's a bar. Wow. I'm yeah. not going to that Slaughter. bar. <laughs> Thank you for playing band or bar. I had fun. I'm we need to, I need to figure out, or we need to figure out some kind of purpose beyond just right, wrong, we're done now. <laughs> what do I win? No, I like it that way, though. <laughs> okay. No, so yeah, seriously, it's not too if much. If you're in Las Vegas and you want to go to Paracel Up, you're not going to get in because it's a band. <laughs> um, we might have to check Neo because I was scrambling today to get this together and I may have looked at the wrong thing, but that's whatever, whatever. Neo's in Vegas. Marcellus. Can you please give us a city anywhere in the world that I can research for next week? No, I like Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake you like city. Salt Lake City? I just like how it sounds. It's Salt okay. Lake. This is David's favorite part of the whole show. I love it. Mm-hmm. Put, I'm calculating everything about Marcellus. Kind of sheltered within you know, a very challenging environment. Who, what, where was the very first concert you attended? That's super easy. In my life, I've only been to one concert. What? Whoa. Yes. What was it? It's sad because I've wanted to go to many of concerts, but I couldn't. Um, I was, I think, 28, and my friends took me to the How the West Was One concert. He just got free tickets. and um, um, Where was it at? It was at the Irvine Spectrum, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, we, it was like, it was at crazy. Because Spectrum? Was the spectrum? No way. Is that is the spectrum outdoors? The amphitheater. Amphitheater. Okay. It was, yeah, it was at before the before it closed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, 
it was around 420 and he's just like come on we gotta go it's good i got the free tickets and i went and up and, until that point you had never been to a venue no. never stood in line no. never got shoulder to shoulder with and it was, what never was got that a chance feeling to. like it was amazing i had so much <laughs> fun like it was ridiculous like i've always been one of those type of people like i don't want to go see him like perform that on stage and if i can't get get tickets and be close it's like why would i want to do that i didn't understand no one ever told me like mm-hmm. it's just it was crazy just the the brotherhood kind of thing that like you guys are all together you all love the same thing mm. I, yeah. the role that i was on we had like this group of moms that were like i guess <laughs> they got tickets and like i said this was a west the how the west was one a west coast rappers like all the california rappers that made west coast rap what it is yeah so we had like snoop dogg and sugar oh. free and we had like exhibit <sighs> the game like any big name west coast rapper you know was on this so thing you caught up with one concert at 20 no you joke caught up for a decade of concerts. Now look, my favorite rapper is Sugar Free. Never heard of Sugar Free. Sugar Free is like, yeah, you might not. He's like a Compton kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Pomona. No, he's from Pomona. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's big with DJ Quick and like all that group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't on the bill, but one of the rappers brought him in as a special mm-hmm. guest. So I got to see my favorite rapper of all time pretty <sighs> much perform as a special guest. And I just, oh, it was amazing. Did you, I know you're not a big weed smoker or drinker or anything. Did you... Oh yeah, I smoked there. It was okay. it was like no, that was the first, that's what I was gonna say. So I had like these six women on the side of me, and they were like moms from like an office building somewhere. But they were like, "Whoa, all the West is wild. I love Snoop Dogg. Ah, high five. And they were just like having a girls' <laughs> night out, and they were in their little dresses and having fun. And we're all sitting there, and like all the guys are in the front row and everywhere. They're like pulling out weed, and you're just like rolling and starting to smoke. And I'm looking at these ladies. I'm feeling bad. I'm like, oh my god, they're in the wrong place. I can't believe this. You know, these ladies start pulling stuff out of their purse, like vaporizers and little things, and they start rolling. You want to hit this? And blah blah blah. I had so much fun with these six older ladies. Aww. No joke. Like I, I, I escorted them to the restroom because at one point <laughs> they were like, I have to use the bathroom, but I don't want to go by myself. It's so scary. I was like, come on, I'll take you guys. Come on, I got my pocket knife. We're, we're good. Come on. <laughs> You're a natural. You're a concert venue natural. I'll make sure. And I waited in line. I got them all. You know, it was was so much fun. Marcella Samuel, what is your corner of the internet? How can we find you, find your shows, keep up with you? Well, um, my Instagram is all around Instagram. Like, I put my shows on there. I put my lifestyle. I put all the different things that I'll do. What's the handle? It's Blue Moon Lichen. Like I said, I'm a nerd. So it's like the the color blue and then moon and then L-Y-C-A-N. For lichen, for lycanthrope. I always say it as blue moon lichen. <laughs> <laughs> like he's a lichen. No, but <laughs> no, I, it's okay. It's fine. It's I had no idea. <laughs> it's funny. And you know, um, my name is Marcella Samuel. Uh, it's S A M M U E L. You can look me up on Facebook. Add me as a friend. I'll, I'll keep you. You'll, you'll be in touch. Well, awesome. This has been amazing. You've been such a great guest. Oh, I appreciate it. I, I, I hope I did good. Great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>